Welcome to Pencil Leadership. I'm Chris Anderson, success and lifestyle entrepreneur, and I'm on a mission to help you realize your full potential so you can leave a positive mark on the world. So if you're ready, take out your pencils and let's begin. And if you want to make a difference in the lives of others, share this episode, go over to Apple Podcasts and follow us there to leave a positive rating and review. And together we can leave a bigger positive mark on the world. All right, welcome back to another recording of Pencil Leadership. I am Chris Anderson, your host. Another exciting episode that we're bringing to you all today. And this one's going to be a really good one. The story that this gentleman has and everything he's been through to what he's created hopefully can resonate and also give you guys a lot of motivation. So today we have Andrew Calderella coming on the show today. And he is an author. He's had businesses. He's been through ups and downs that we'll get into. It's an amazing thing. And you'll definitely have to connect with him more after this to hear just more in depth of his story. But we're going to be focusing on his book, The Way, because he goes into ways to live a more meaningful life and make a real difference in the world. And that's what we're trying to do as pencil leaders with our businesses, with our lives. So super excited. Andrew, welcome to Pencil Leadership. Ah, thank you, Chris. Thank you so much for having me on your show. And thank you everybody for listening. Yeah, super excited to dive into it. So I'd love for you just to kind of share high level of what brought you to riding the way on your journey. Yeah. Yeah, Everybody kind of wants me to start at the beginning when I do this. So I'll just take a couple minutes and say, Yeah, I was born in Detroit, Michigan in 1966 to parents fighting for the civil rights movement. I was born with dyslexia, other learning disabilities, and a lazy eye. Lazy eye meant uh, I was seeing 2200 vision through that eye, which is legally blind. So they put a patch over my good eye to make me look out of this bad eye all the time. I don't know if you can imagine a kid walking around with dyslexia, learning disabilities, and a patch over his eye. I didn't do so well in school. I couldn't catch a ball to save my life. Uh, I was bullied relentlessly, called stupid every day, mocked, you know, thrown in trash cans, almost drowned, had a horrible, horrible time. Even had teachers in elementary school tell me I was too stupid to learn anything. I should just drop out. And so it led me down kind of a negative path, but luckily I had a wonderful mother who believed in me, kept telling me that I was going to make it and worked with me and a, and a good teacher. Didn't make it out of elementary school, went on to High school eventually, became a school leader, kind of came out of my shell in 11th grade. was all sorts of sports, been doing martial arts and basketball, track, cross country, all sorts of stuff since I was a kid. And went on to college, got degrees in speech communications, theology and philosophy, and traveled the world right after that. I got a job in Japan. I've so many harrowing experiences along the way from all the fights I've been in and dog bites and car accidents and everything else. But all this time, I also started businesses, like you mentioned. I've been the owner of Consulting Ace for over 20 years, strategic consulting, internet marketing firm. But I just want to say, while all this was going on, I really was on this bigger mission. And it started when I was a kid. I had a lot of spiritual experiences. And it's about how we can really get over all this negativity, but become the best people we can be and fix our world. And I had a lot of epiphanies along the way, and I kept sharing what I found with people and as I coached them and everything else. And they always said, this has got to be written down. You have to make this into something. So in 2015, I had this huge breakthrough where I found the seven steps within all these writings of self, society, universe, and God, which I call the four pillars. I kept seeing like, this is key to true success. And I put all these keys together and I found the seven steps of the way and it allowed me to articulate and put in order all these different pieces that we need to become the best people we can be. And I worked for the next five years to get the book out. And I think that's a good place to start because we talked about this a little bit beforehand, is that if 
whoever you are, you're as strong as your weakest link. Or to say it another way, you ever seen those guys with the plates on sticks and they're running around balancing all these plates yeah. on the sticks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, your life is like that because if your relationships, <laughs> your health, your finances, whatever falls down, it can hurt mm -hmm. you, but it could even ruin you, right? Yeah. So you want to kind of shore yourself up with all this information and all these diversity of areas so that you can really kind of solidify, stand on a firm foundation, and then we can all kind of stand on this foundation and walk together and fix our world. Because once you understand all these basics and how our society works, it becomes pretty easy. Anyway, yeah. that's my basics. No, that's awesome, man. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that because it gives us kind of some insight into what you've done and where you've come from. And, you know, I think it's interesting and I'm curious just to hear your point on this. You said you did mixed martial arts. Do you accredit, because you know, I've been in it or I was in the past for a little bit and I want to get back into it and I want my son to get into it early because of what you can learn from it, I think. Did you find that helped you a lot as far as like discipline and, you know, with being in that? Absolutely. And when I started, we didn't have MMA. <laughs> I'm kind of old. Right. So we actually had all the different martial arts and I studied, uh -huh. you know, karate and judo and aikido and ninjutsu and you name it because every martial art has its weakness. And there's another martial art that, you know, whether it's an elbow or a grab or a lock or a punch or whatever it may be that can get you out of that. So if you know them all and I Krav Maga was one of the best ones as far as survivalist type stuff goes that I ever learned. So I would say that, yes, the discipline did help me. I was always kind of in my own little world. So once I got into something, it was really hard for me to stop doing what I was doing. My dad used to have to come out in the garage and be like, stop hitting that punching bag. You've been hitting it for four hours. I can't take it anymore because it would shake the whole house. Yeah, yeah. You know. So as far as that goes, yeah, it definitely did help. But it was also the spiritual side. I was into philosophy and theology and, you know, the Zen masters, mastering your mind and this whole idea of the kata and becoming one with your body and the movement you get. I mean, I've experienced that. And that, I think, the art of life, you f being one with yourself and everything you're doing in the environment you're in is really the whole point. And that's where I kind of got addicted to it because you can do a kata or do different moves and meditate as you're doing it and just kind of lose yourself. I mean, time kind of stops and you just, you know, um, you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The world, so. And I think yeah. that's a good point too you've made. I'm interested to see how that ties into, you know, your steps to living a meaningful life is kind of getting that intrinsic calmness and understanding yourself and kind of seeing the world differently through that. Does that, you know, fall within your steps of the way? Absolutely. Just so you know, the way kind of breaks it down, like what is the meaning of life, the true goal of life, how to achieve the true goal of life, and then the seven steps. Within the seven steps, what you're talking about is where we're getting to step five, and there are these different foundations of your life. And one of them is what I call your practice, meaning how you educate yourself, how you train yourself, your body, your mind, emotions, and spirit. How you do this, when you do it, really matters. And one of the keys I found, and I've spoken to so many people about this, I wish the West and the East had a meeting of the minds back in the Freud days because it really kind of messed us up, I think, because we think like therapy and we're all damaged from our childhood and, and the only way to do it is to go through 50,000 hours of therapist, you know? Right. And if they would have met the Eastern mind, they would have realized that this kind of schizophrenic view of ourselves is what the oneness of Zen is trying to give you. And my experience with this is when I was in college, I think it was my first year in college, I was studying philosophy and I went Went to a Zen retreat and it was like five days or seven days of you don't talk, you don't do anything. All you do is meditate and eat and listen to these Zen masters explain things to you. 
I think it was on my third day, it was like I had this huge breakthrough because, you know, your mind, a lot of people's minds, it runs like TV sets. They just are on and they change channels. You have no mm -hmm. control. It makes you feel all these crazy <laughs> things. And, you know, yeah. you have that stopped. It was just boom. There was no more. And I was able to sit in that space when you're at one with yourself and there's nothing flying through your mind. And from that moment on, it changed me. And I realized when I have conversations with people, most of us have not learned how to do that. And that creates a lot of confusion and a lot of reactionary being instead of you choosing the way that you want to be. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So we're moving from the reactive mindset to a more creative, proactive, control. creative. Yeah, yeah mm -hmm. exactly. Okay. Which it's, that's so huge because I found myself, I mean, obviously through my life in both scenarios, especially starting a business, like you basically feel like you're just running around putting out fires in a reactive state until you can kind of, I guess, see yourself in the moment and understand like that's all it is. And then kind of go from there and be more active in the moments instead of just reacting to everything else, I guess, unless I'm off. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I think it's like that. It's like, especially as a business owner, the same thing with being a parent. I think it's similar in that you don't know what's going to happen, right? And you have all these plans you got to make happen. And at the same time, you have to figure out what order to do everything to make it most effective and to have the biggest effect on your business or your child and all the rest. So you know, certainly life is semi-reactive, but when you're coming from a state of oneness, you get a lot more options. You know, a lot of people, when you're reacting to something, especially if you haven't done some of the inner work, you may lash out. You know what I mean? Your reactions aren't necessarily in tune with your desire of how you want to be. So if you're able to center yourself and become more of your true self is what we call it in the book, you know, you will respond to issues more in true character. That's huge. That's what I was kind of trying to get at. And I just kind of put the word, but exactly like when you're in that reactive state, it's just chaos. It's just uncontrolled response. Like you get angry, you could just be sad, like whatever it is. But when you can be and understand and be in control, I guess, and be able to, like you, you know, always see it, good leaders yeah. who, who, when something, you know, when crap hits the fan, they're still calm, collected, and like, all right, we need to do this and this and this, and, you know, just keep on that even keel. I mean, I, I just actually came up, I'm sorry to interrupt you there, but no, you're I, good. I get a little excited sometimes. Yeah. I actually just came up with another way to explain this to people. And this is true with a business owner. It doesn't really matter what's going on in your life. And I call it the doctor. This is a perspective. So I've been in child hospitals a lot when I was a kid. My sister had issues. I had issues. And you see these children that have the most horrible things that have happened to them, horribly burned or, you know, are dying or deformed or whatnot. And, you know, when you're a doctor and you walk in here, and you see these children, if you live on the side of the children and their parents, it can really be devastating, right? Because you feel so terrible for these children and it can really hurt you. And if you're dealing with these issues and you're feeling the pain all the time on that side, they can really eventually destroy your mind and your you know, ability to sleep and everything else. So I think the way to think about this, though, if you're on the doctor's side and you're helping these children, if you're on the business side and you're the business owner fixing these issues, if you're the parent and you're helping your child through these issues, you got to stay there. you got to stay on the side of, I'm the helper, right? Mm -hmm. And that can give you a sense of feeling good because if you feel these negative feelings too much, it can devastate you and you know the negative chemical reaction in your body can really hurt you. So if we're dealing with these issues as a business owner, like you said, you're stressed out, you're going from fire to fire, you got to be the doctor, man. You got to be walking yeah. in here like, all right, I took this on. I'm the business owner. This is what business is about. Obviously, I got to yeah. set my business so I don't have so many fires. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, when they're there, 
that's my role and you should feel good that you're in this role and you can find a way out and get help and all the rest. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Being able to kind of identify and isolate those problems. I mean, we just, I just interviewed here recently and last episode or a couple weeks ago, and that's what they're identifying and isolate the issue. And then you can remedy that easier than having all these different fires at once. So no, that makes complete sense. We could go through you know the whole book, but we want people to get the book and read it. But what would you say are the a couple other high or the top ways in your book that you'd like to share? And we can kind of go over those as well. So we've talked about the mindset and we talked about getting control there. What are a couple others and we can hit on those? Gosh, uh, there's so many. It's like <laughs> the, right. the whole book, just so you know, when I brought this to the publishers, as you said, I'm a dyslexic, or I said, and I didn't write this because I'm, you know, super writer man, you know, running throughout these pros and whatnot. This was a mission. And I have my own style and I show it to the publishers. And I didn't know this, but when you show it to publishers, a lot of them know each other. So shopping this around and they, this one guy said, you know, we know that you're shopping this book around. I met with all the publishers. I was like, my heart starts beating. Uh oh, oh. And he's like, well, I just got to give you some feedback. And again, this is my first time. And I don't know if you understand this, but, you know, being dyslexic in writing or speaking, it's a big deal. And we don't really know what people are going to take from it. So he comes back and goes, first, I want to say you have a unique writing style. I, most books, they're not written like this. What you did is you wrote it in a way that's like small blocks of digestible information. It's not endless stories. It's like it's totally different than other people write. And he, he goes, I don't know. It may be that other people start writing books like this in the future. And then he goes, you know, also when people write books like this, success books or self-help books, it's always like a regurgitation of the past, of a Covey or a Hill or mm, yeah. you know, something like that and Robbins mm -hmm. and, you know, they're just taking pieces out and regurgitating it and bringing it out. And he goes, but no, this is something that is completely new. And it's like an updated think or grow rich for everybody instead of just, you know, business owners or whatnot. And I can't tell you, I was like blown away by this, right? I was like, <laughs> oh, really? And the reason I say that now is because when I try to explain the way to people, I'm doing, just so you know, and people out there, I'm doing a master class. It's called the Life Essentials Master Class. And I'm going to go through the meaning of life, the true goal of life, the rules of life, you know, how to achieve the true goal of life, and so many more key points that people need to know. So for me, it's like, if we're all going to become better people and we're going to fix our world, we really have to integrate this wide variety of vital information into our life as quickly as possible so we can be standing here, right? You don't want to be 30 years old going, wow, I finally read Tony's 100 books and I got another insight. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> like you want it all as a kid and we want to teach it to our children. So what I'm trying to do is give all this information as quickly as possible. So the idea of starting out with like, what is the meaning of life? is because, again, we got to get everybody on the same page. So I start with this big stuff, if that makes sense. Yeah. And again, I know you want me to go through one of these. I'm just trying to look at the clock. So we got... No, you're good. All right. Well, I can explain like one of these briefly. And again, I'll do it. I do it a lot. Yeah. What's kind of like the main one or what's like number one in the book? In the book, I start with what is the true goal of life? I get okay. right down to it. But in the master class, I'm actually starting with the meaning of life because it sets up the rules of life, which I think a lot of people seem to appreciate a little more because it sets a stage of why we're all here. We can talk about that if you'd like. Yeah, absolutely. Let's dive into that. Okay. So the meaning of life, you know, the child's game of life, the board game, the board game. Yeah. Uh -huh. You ever seen that? Like, yeah, right. It comes in a box. It's got a game board. You have these little pieces. You move along this game board. Some things random happen to you. Some things you choose and it really determines your fate if you win or lose. Well, this life is like that. We have what we call the human conditions under which we live. These are the game board, right? We have 
space, like we have the big things, the universals, which are like space-time. You move through space and time passes. We have gravity, entropy, you know, all this big stuff that makes up the whole universe. And then we have the human-centric conditions that are things about like we're born and we die, we need to consume fuels, we need people to be our best, you know, all the different human-centric ones. That makes sense so far? Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. So you have all of these, you add them up together, and you look at what the effects are, and really it focuses on, obviously, self-preservation, preservation of our loved ones, and fixing our world. And really you can boil that down to self-creation, self-control, and societal development. Meaning you literally have to create yourself from a little embryo baby all the way up to an adult, right? And you got to control yeah. this process if you're really <laughs> going to be the best person you're going to be, right? Right. And you need to do this, hopefully, a conducive society. So societal development, how well your society is out there helping you. And not, when I say society, I mean your caregivers, your school systems, you know, everything around you, what the water supply you get, everything. So those three things, self-creation, self-control, and societal development, really are core to all of life. I mean, everything that we do as a human being are centered around that. So those are what we call the rules of life. And if it's actually true that you literally have to create yourself from a little baby to an adult and you have to control this process, then we find the meaning of life right there, right? It's you literally have to create yourself a meaningful life, right? Okay, you have to yeah. make yourself into something that you feel is meaningful. You have to find this meaning somewhere. And to do that, you need to have the right goals. You need to know what the goals are in all these myriad of different parts of your life that you're trying to achieve if you're really going to achieve this, whether it be communication or whatnot. And that's where we get into the second part of the book where we talk about the true goal of life. And we talk about the difference between success and true success. Yeah. What is your definition of success and true success? Okay. Well, in human history, we usually talk about success and we tie it to wealth, power, and fame, right? Sometimes to intelligence or beauty or even being super holy right? The more successful you are, the more you have of some of these things, the more wealth, the power, fame you have. But the problem with that is if you actually study the lives of these people, all the kings and queens and super wealthy, famous throughout time, it doesn't mean like you get this and all of a sudden you know what to do every day. You're a good and kind person. Uh, you make the right choices. Your relationships are great. You're automatically healthy. You know what I'm saying? Right. right it, yeah. it doesn't. <laughs> if anything, it's always the opposite. It becomes even more of a challenge, right? Now you have no checks and balances. You got sycophants around you. Everybody's telling you no matter what you do, you're doing great no matter what it is. And it's really hard to find your way, right? So we find most of the time that the highest levels of wealth, power, and fame and whatnot become the most corrupted people. And then it's like, how do we stop this? How do we prevent all this corruption from happening? You know, so what is the definition of true success? True success, just to cut to the chase, and again, I go through this in the book, but it's like what a loving mother wants for her child. They want them to be healthy and happy, have wonderful, long-lasting, loving relationships, find something passionate or about that's good that maybe they can actually support themselves with to live this life where they not only survive, but really truly thrive, right? And all the rest of the pieces that we all want, right? That's what everybody wants. There's nobody in the world that doesn't want that. And that applies to everybody that has wealth, power, and fame, and everything else, right? Those things aren't bad. Some of them are needed places in our society, but it's how you handle them that matters. It's like the systems in our society. A lot of people are like, oh, the financial system, the government, we've got to burn it all down. I'm like, no, you need to fix it. The system is corrupted. The system is broken and coming out of legacy systems that weren't formed so well. It doesn't mean that they're evil. We can't do without water systems, right? <laughs> right. We can't do without some of these things. So yeah. 
Anyway, does that all make sense so far? Yeah, absolutely. And it's like kind of, you know, I saw a video even the other day, and I think it was Gary Vee who's saying, you know, we need to really take a deeper look at what success means. And it's not really about all the material stuff or, you know, the fame or the position or anything like that. It's about getting up every day is what he says. And like being happy, enjoying the life you have. And, you know, that I think is really true success is when you can get up and you enjoy the day ahead of you, you know, whether that be because you have time with family, it might be because you have a job that you truly enjoy and are impacting people or you get to make new connect, whatever it is, you just are truly happy. And I think that kind of goes back to pencil leadership, like living into what you're created to do, you know, and same with what you're doing in the way. I think that makes well, sometimes more sense. It doesn't necessarily make you happy. Sometimes the work is work and it's a little bit of drudgery, yeah. but if you're doing it for a greater cause, eventually you'll get through it. I, I almost lost my mind doing this. I mean, I've cried writing this like, God, why did you give a dyslexic kid this <laughs> task of writing this major thing? You know what I mean? It was really, really, really difficult. So I can't say that I woke up every day jazzed to sit down in front of the computer for another 10 hours and stare at it and try to yeah. wordsmith things. That's a good point because even... But it's the goal is what I want to yeah. say. As long as you keep your yes. mind on what you're... Yeah. You could be happy about the goal you're going to achieve, but you might be in the weeds sometimes. And just uh, the key there is, like I said, keep your eye on the goal and that'll make you bring those happiness. Um, Absolutely. And that's a great point to highlight because, yes, I mean, you could have a life that you've built, you know, maybe it's not money or position or title or anything, but you are successful, but there's still going to be hard days. There's still going to be those hard times in that. But again, you can look forward at what you're building or what you've done and be thankful for that through those hard times. Yeah. And also the people that are really successful that do get these high levels of fame or wealth or whatever it may be, the problem that happens is they just disconnect from the world, right? And then they become indolent and they don't use their money to help us or anything. They'd rather stuff their house with gold and go to parties that think about anything else they could do, right? So what we end up with is all these charities that don't do anything, right? Because it's like you just keep giving money to them and they pay the people in their company and, you know, maybe do a little bit here and a little bit there, but it's all just diluted to the point where it's not really making the biggest difference in the world that we would like. So what I'm trying to do is help people realize that not only the way, the way and the one is what I talk about. So the way is the knowledge. The one is the one tribe, the one movement, and the one party is about how we can join together to actually make these changes. And just to be clear, I know there's so much we don't have a lot of time on, but I want to say this, that to help the people that are super rich and famous and all that to get through this, they need a, a core belief system that allows them to navigate these waters without being corrupted or lost and all the rest. And within step four, the way we talk about a core belief system that will not only guide you through your life, but you can weigh every situation and know if you're on your true path and not being corrupted. But the idea of the one party, I just want to go back to that one party, one tribe, and one movement. Think about it like this. Like the one tribe is where we can all join together, learn all this stuff, and have some fun, make money together, and all that. It's like a big organization of people. The one movement is joining all good people and movements and organizations together in one place so we can have greater effect. Just look at it like this, like how many environmental groups there are there in the world, how many civil rights groups there are in the world, how many just people trying to fight for some big issue in the world. I mean, there's literally thousands, if not tens and 20, you know, 50, 100,000 of these organizations. And the problem is they're so diluted. You know, it's like they're all focused on slightly different things and some of them overlap. But they all have to pay their people, they all collect money, and they all do this stuff. But where is the big thing that's happened? The Amazon's still being destroyed. You know, the world is going, as people say, <laughs> going to hell in a handbasket. Right. You know what I mean? So the thing is that the good people and these good organizations, we're all too siloed. 
right? It's like we're all deluded. Think about it like this. If we had a billion people around the world that were part of one organization, the one party, and the one movement, the one movement, again, let's just talk about that for a second. So the one movement, we're all a billion people. Half or more give a dollar a month. A lot of the people click on petitions. Some of them will show up somewhere to do something. Imagine the power of this. We could go down to Brazil and negotiate with the Brazilian government and the farmers to have them stop this with and payments, you know, annual payments and all the rest to make sure that it doesn't happen. We throw in the rich and the famous in there and we have enough resources to do everything we want. So the idea of the one movement is to join us together on all these big issues and focus everybody and solve things. You know what I mean? Because right, it's like yeah. we can even then buy public companies. You know, you buy all the stock, you get to put up the board members and the, hire the CEO and change the direction of the company. You know what I mean? It's just like endless good. And it won't even be that hard because we have so many people and so much money every single month, you know, two, three billion people and we'll, you know, change the world in two years. The one party is about creating a new political party. Most of the political parties we have are just old and they're more like special interest groups. You can almost see it by the names, the Labor Party, the Green Party, you know, and then the Republican and Democratic Party has become more of an us versus them, red-blue war type situation instead of a party that's focused on actually making government work for everybody. They're actually using it against each other to play these little tit-and-tat games and whatnot. So the one party is about truly focusing on what government does, making it as efficient, and, you know, do everything it's supposed to do. We can talk about the fringe issues, but it's really like we have to make the core solid and work as efficiently as possible, if that makes sense. So the one party is about bringing all the good people together. And I want to do it like this, where we find people of true merit. Maybe they don't want to run, and we convince them to run. You know what I mean? We find <laughs> we're a recruiting agency where we find the best people in the country to fill positions in the government even if it's for two years or four years, to really help the government run. You know what I mean? This is our country or, you know, whatever democracy you're living in around the world. And it should be filled with the best people of merit focused on making it work for everybody, if that makes sense. So those are the whole thing I'm kind of doing there. I think it's really cool. And I think it's a good way to think about it too, because yeah, if we all came together, like say for whatever reason it is to save the rainforest or whatever, and there's so many different groups for it, if we could like unite, you know, all those together. Exactly. Um, and even just for a few months, it'd be like, yeah, you know, uh, Greenpeace, I don't know what all the names are. I can't, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? But whatever, get them all yeah. together. And then all the people around the world that want to fight for it too. And then I walk up and we have this big event where it's like, hey, you know, here's the deal. <laughs> you know what I mean? Let's make a deal. Yeah, that's a good point. Never really had taken too much thought into that if as it being like siloed and so diluted with all the different things, if we could just create one thing for all of them and just support all together, it would change so much. But do you think it goes back to people starting that and wanting maybe deeply rooted the pride and ego to? Well, certainly there's a lot of that. I deal with that a lot. Maybe it's not like upfront or they're like, oh yeah, I want to be the best thing we all have to be the leader it's like like instead of i'm trying to word it right like if i was to start an animal shelter why would i not just give towards one that's already created i guess okay look at what kim kardashian did with the prison systems and such right she's like freed i think a couple people one or two people i just want to you know it's like if she put her weight behind a couple of the organizations that were doing this for the last 25 years and had like hundreds of people on death row and on in prison that they knew should be freed and all of that she could have in my opinion made an even bigger impact because it came all about her and her fame and her two or three people and she's doing so many things where if she could have helped these other people and brought that organization up to her fame level and kept 
you know, promoting it every single month and let them do the work, it could become a lot better. And I think this idea, like we all have to be the leader, we all have to make sure that we're the ones. And again, this isn't about me. This is like the solutions for humanity. I will have a role, but there are so many leaders in this world that can speak better than I do, that can present certain ideas to people that I would never reach. So the whole idea is that we're all like flowers in a garden. It all makes a beautiful place. Without all of them, it wouldn't be. You right. know what I mean? It would just be like, yeah. wow, there's a flower over there. It's yeah. not like a garden. And yeah. what we're trying to build up is each other. You know, we're all equals. This isn't a contest between each other. It's a contest with yourself to be your best. And some of us fill certain roles. We're all in this, you know, great machine of this world and filling different cogs. Because one person is a leader of this and because he does a good job and all of that doesn't mean you have to compete against them. You know, if you want to be a great leader, be a great leader too. We need a lot of great leaders in this world. There's a lacking of that. So don't worry about that. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, and that's huge. And that, you know, kind of ties into this kind of last question I want to wrap up with is pencil leadership. The fifth trait is everyone's created uniquely with the purpose to leave a positive mark. And that looks different in everyone's life. Like I'm not going to be some great singer or whatever to make a difference that way, I can only do what I'm created well to do. So for you, I'm interested, Andrew, to hear your answer to this is when everything is said and done for you here on earth, what do you hope your mark is? One that I've made all this knowledge, common knowledge, right, on how we become the best people we can be. And also that I started an organization that takes this to the next dimension, you know, as far as lives on and all of that. There's like seven systems I'm supposed to build. And, you know, the seventh foundation is the organization behind all of this, the one in the way. But that's just the start. We need a few more if we're really going to succeed as humanity. So I have some really huge goals. I mean, I've had them since I was young, you know, through all these epiphanies and spiritual experiences and whatnot. We'll see how far I get, man. And if I can just put it all in the seventh foundation and get enough people to back that and support it, we can have this moving on forever. That's awesome. Can I just leave with one other thought? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, this is the only time in human history that we can make these changes because we are more connected. We have more resources and more people than we've ever had before. And everybody's awake, right? We've been shaken and burned to learn. And so many people around the world are looking for this great change. And it's not this burn it down and start something new. It's to take over and make it better. And so join us in the one movement, the one party and one tribe. You can go to 7WayMe. That's the website. The number seven, W-A-Y dot M-E to find everything about me, but also about the way and the one movement, the one party, the one tribe, and join us all over the web. And let's make this great change. You know? yeah. I think we're all sick of this. It doesn't have to be this way. It really doesn't. And it's really not that hard to change if we have the right leadership and the right uniting of the people. Absolutely. I agree completely, Andrew. So yeah, make sure you guys go get connected with Andrew and what he's doing with the seven way and everything there and check out his book for sure. The way go grab that, just dive into it and just continue to learn and improve yourself and improve the world together. So Andrew, again, thank you so much for being on pencil leadership today. Thank you, Chris. You have a great day. Thank Everybody, you. Take care. Yeah. And make sure you share this with somebody. Help us get this out to more people because like yes. what Andrew's saying is we can do more together. And by sharing that, we're just extending that difference that we can make in the world together. So make sure you share this with somebody and make an impact in their life. And until next time, everybody, let's go out and be pencil leaders. And thanks so much for tuning into this episode today. If you found value at all from this episode, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It just helps us get this show, these messages out in front of more people. And don't forget to share this with someone who you think could benefit from listening to as well. Now let's go out and be pencil leaders.